Good morning, everyone. What a beautiful Sunday morning, amen? What an incredible day. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. We especially are glad to have our online uh, viewers as well. We're glad you're here, and especially Pastor Jay, who's watching today from home. Aren't you, let's let him know how much we love him, amen? Of course, Pastor Jay is recovering from surgery. He's doing well and recovering well, and so we look forward to seeing him soon. Uh, thank you for your continued prayers. Uh, also, would like to remind you that we have Father's Day next week. Uh, we, got, we got a special day prepared. We're, we're gonna have uh, the message. Uh, to, uh, next week's gonna be powerful, but we also are gonna have some classic cars out front so that those men in your life or fathers or whatever sort of get entertained on the way in. How about that? We got some people gonna bring some classic cars. We just wanna make sure you know that Father's Day is a great day to invite someone, uh, a father, a husband, a, a, a man in your life that has been important to come and join us. And tonight is soak. Tonight is soak. Soak is usually on the third week, but this is gonna be the second because the third is Father's Day and we're not gonna do it. So soak will be tonight. And uh, soak, in case you're wondering, is the time where we just come and soak in the presence of the Lord. We worship and we pray, pray for one another, and God does incredible things. So we want you to join us, if you will, tonight. Uh, we're in the middle of a, uh, a series. In our summer series, we chose the book of Hebrews, and I'm really glad. It's an awesome book, incredible book. Um, we are already, this is the fourth week in our series. Uh, the first week, we looked at why Jesus is better. That's the title of the series, Better. Jesus is better. Better than what? Better than everything. Better than everything, everything in our lives. He's better, and that's what this is about. Uh, the first week, we talked about why he is the center of it all. Uh, then the next week, we talked about how Jesus is better than angels. Angels become, for some people, that angels are great, but they're not God. They become the earthly distraction of things going on around us that keep us focused on the earth rather than what God is doing in the heavens. We talked the next week about uh, Jesus, last week, Jesus is better than Moses. Moses, the Jews used to have their identity and we are, we are following the law of Moses. That's our identity. We understand last week, identity is found in Christ Jesus and him alone. Uh, the world is trying to invent all kinds of identities to be known by, but Jesus is the one that makes the difference. So we're gonna continue that today as we uh, go through chapter four to eight in, in Hebrews. Now, Hebrews, nobody knows who wrote, who wrote it specifically, but God wrote it. He made sure somebody passed it down to us. It was, it was written to Christians who were struggling with their faith. Sounds very much like today. Christians who, are, who were found in, in the middle of the Roman Empire in a Roman Empire that was full of political intrigue. There were uh, emperors being assassinated and, and people taken over and, and coup d'etats and all these different things happening in the, in the political world. In the religious world, there were just all kinds of options. Every, you pick your religion, uh, whatever you want to do, all these things. The morals were crumbling in the Roman Empire. And um, it was just one of those times where there was chaos, very similar to the time we're in. And he wrote it because Christians were beginning to lose their faith. They were letting go of what they had believed in and come to trust in. And it was written 
to try to encourage Christians, don't turn away from Jesus. Don't lose your faith. How to keep your faith when strong forces are trying to pull you away. And that's really, uh, we're still in that vein today. And when I was a kid, probably seven or eight years old, uh, I'll be honest with you, I got in trouble every day. Every day I got in trouble. There was something I was being punished for every day. I don't know if it was just seven or eight-year-old boys. I'm not sure, but that, that's what's happening. One day, I remember, it was, it was not long after the 4th of July in the summer, and I had found a leftover sparkler. And uh, all little boys loved to play with fire and sparklers. And so I thought, well, I'm going to light this. But it was raining outside, so I thought, well, it won't hurt anything in the house. And so I thought I was going to light it in the kitchen. And uh, I was about to light it. And my mother said, what are you doing? I'm just going to light the sparkler. No, no, you can't do that. The sparks will catch something on fire. No, it won't. Because it hits your arm and it doesn't even hurt your arm. I'm smart. She said, you are not going to light a sparkler in the kitchen. The sparks will go everywhere. She said, put that up. So I put it down. And she said, now I've got to run to the store for a minute. You understand why I got in trouble a lot. She said, I, I got to go to the store for just a few minutes. I'll be right back. So I thought, well, while she's gone, I can light the sparkler without the sparks going anywhere. I will light it, put it in an co- empty coat bottle, and just watch it there. So in the middle of the kitchen, I lit it, put it in the coat bottle. I'm, I'm obeying. There's no sparks going anywhere. But for some reason, I put my thumb over the top of the Coke bottle. And in no time, out the bottom, sparkler hits the linoleum floor and burns a hole in it. I even remember the the flames were all kind of colors. I went into sheer panic. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I, I ran around, wasn't sure what to do, saying I'm sorry, God, everything. I cleaned up the broken glass. I tried to scrub it out to where she wouldn't notice it. Oh no. And that, it only got worse. I didn't know what to do. And then I hear her drive up into the carport. And so I just stood on it. In the middle of the kitchen, just stood there. And mom walked in and goes, what's wrong? (laughs) What? Why are you standing in the kitchen staring at me? What's wrong? Nothing. Move. (laughs) Did you like that sparkler? Mom, no sparks went anywhere. I put it in the bottle. You lit the sparkler. (laughs) And then she said these words. I don't know what we're going to do with you. Let me tell you what, when you're seven and your mom says, I don't know what we're going to do with you, that's scary, especially at night when you go to bed and you go, do I go to sleep or are they going to capture me and bury me alive somewhere? Are they going, what are the... what did she mean by what are we, we're going to, we don't know what we're going to do with you. Man, it haunted me for a while. It really did, honestly. It, it was terrible. It was like all of a sudden 
these, this one that I had trusted in was like threatening to do something with me. What is he gonna do with me? I, I didn't get a spanking. Usually I did, but I didn't then. They must be planning something really big. And it stayed with me for a while. No kidding. Have you ever felt like that with God? Have you ever felt like with God sometimes, God, I've tried to obey you, but I keep messing up. I keep doing really dumb things, and you probably are just tired of me. And you're sitting there going, what am I going to do with you? And you feel like at any moment the hammer's going to fall. Boom. God's going to do the big thing. And then whenever anything happens, you go, that's it. That's it. That's the big thing. But it's not big enough. And another big thing you're expecting. It's true. Have you ever felt like God just really doesn't hear or doesn't get you? He doesn't doesn't listen to what you're saying? That he's silent? And maybe he's silent because... You're so bad, he's planning the bad thing. Or maybe he's silent because he doesn't care and doesn't listen anymore to you. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe God is just silent. You've prayed. You, you, you feel like he's ignored you. You're in pain or you need healing or, or you need God to move in a certain way or you have mental anguish or you're, you're racked with guilt or pressure or loneliness or or you're being misunderstood, or you're stuck, and you're going, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And so that's where people are often when they start throwing their faith away because they wonder, where is the God that I thought was there? What is he planning on doing to me if he's even there at all? And that, that, that's sort of what this book was written about. Have you ever needed somebody to sort of just listen to take your calls up and and sort of say, I understand. You ever needed that? Have you ever felt like maybe in the middle of it all, they just ignored you? God just ignored you or somebody just ignored you? Yeah. I remember one time I was on a trip. I was actually driving down to to be with the the team uh, on Beach Freak. I was going to go down there and visit everybody and I had gone part of the way. I left early in the morning. I thought I'd stop and get breakfast at a small place you could get breakfast. And so I went in. I was the only one there. It was pretty early. I was the only one in there eating. And I ate and I got up and was going to pay. And I went to the cash register and I stood there and, and the cook was on break, on a cigarette break. The waitress was on the phone. And so I was standing there at the cash, cash register <laughs> looking around and then the, the waitress goes, hey, would you get him? I'm on break. Well, I'm on the phone. I said, well, I'm out. And I just, I just walked out the door. And then all, by the time I got to the car, both of them were running. Ah, we're, 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 we're so sorry. We're so sorry. You know, for a second, it's like, I'm here. I want to I do, but nobody cares. Nobody Have you ever felt like that's with God? God, I'm ready. I want to do your will, but what am I supposed to do? Crickets. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Of course you have. We've all felt like that. Have you ever felt like I'm alone? I'm I'm stuck in a place and there's no way to get out and nobody's listening? (laughs) Reminds me of Pastor Clark's story that he's told before about uh, when we had the Cates house uh, as as a sort of a restaurant kind of thing down there. There was a a walk-in 
cooler. And Pastor Clark was down there by himself and nobody knew he was down there and he was putting something in the walk-in cooler and it closed and he was in the cooler and could not get out of the cooler. And nobody knew he was there. I'm, let me tell you what, that's when, that's when, it, gets, that's when it gets tough. <laughs> You're in the cooler. And uh, if God doesn't show up or send somebody, it's not gonna be good. Thank God we still have Pastor Clark because Ty showed up and Clark's going, help! <laughs> and all of a sudden, even though he thought there's nobody to hear him, somebody was there. God sent somebody there. I wanna tell you something. This is really what this is about today. This is about those times in our lives where it's easy to give up and it's easy to throw things away and it's easy to say God doesn't listen. It's easy to make those kind of accusations and wonder, will I ever get out? Will anybody ever hear? Will anybody ever care? It's all my fault. I know it's my fault. A lot of it's my fault. So is God just saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do with you and he's just leaving you alone? That's what this is about today. Well, I've got good news for you. And it starts in Hebrews chapter four. Let's read this, okay? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Ah, oh, one of my favorite passages in the scriptures altogether is from the book of Hebrews. See, here's what happens. The writer of Hebrews, who's writing this, he's making an argument. He, uh, the writer of Hebrews starts talking about this thing called the Jewish priesthood. He starts talking about what the high priest was, the Old Testament Jewish priesthood. That began with a guy named Aaron. That was Moses' brother, Aaron, who became the first priest. When, when he wrote the law of Moses and told how to do stuff in the temple, Aaron was the first high priest. And all the priests will have to come from the tribe of Levi and through the line of Aaron. And that's where all the priests were gonna come from and all the high priests were gonna come from. It was called the priesthood of Aaron. Uh, now, so what is a priest? Here's what a priest is. One who authorizes, is authorized to perform rituals and services, now look at this, and serve as a mediator between humans and God. That's what the Jewish priests were. When you brought your sacrifices, you didn't bring them to God, you brought them to the priest, and he went behind the curtain and brought them to God. And he, he came out and said, your sins are forgiven, and he, he announced all these things to you. The priest was the in-between between you and God. And it was the priesthood of Aaron. But here's what happened. During this time, or right after this time, within two generations, the priesthood of Aaron became corrupt. While there was a guy named Eli, he was the priest that trained Samuel. Eli had two sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were the guys that were gonna inherit the high priesthood after their father. And they were, they were awful. They were awful, they were drunkards, they uh, consorted with prostitutes, they, they, they stole money from the treasury, they ate all the, the, 
the holy sacrifices to be offered to God, they ate it for supper. And Eli didn't do a thing about it. He just let it happen. And the priesthood of Aaron became corrupt, very corrupt. And then several years later, like a good while later, while David was king, the priesthood was still very, very corrupt and there was a rebellion against David and the priests took the rebellion side. You know why? Because they were gonna pay them money. And they had already made a deal with idol worshipers where they could worship idols near the temple. And David didn't even know that part. And David was running for his life and one priest named Zadok, Zadok, the name Zadok means righteous. And he was, he stuck with David. He stuck with David and all the other priests went crazy, but he stuck with David and continued. And here's what's written about him in Ezekiel. However, the Levitical priest of the family of Zadok continued to minister faithfully in the temple when Israel abandoned me for idols. These men will serve as my ministers. They will stand in my presence and offer the fat and blood and sacrifices, says the sovereign Lord. See what God did was God said, hey look, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I, we're not gonna have to necessarily stick with the heredity of Aaron's line. We're gonna go to Zadok's line because they're Levites, but they are, they, they're the ones that stuck with God and said they're the ones that are gonna be the priests because they're righteous. Well, they were, it was great. It was called the priesthood of Zadok. But eventually, they became corrupted. Oh yeah, they were, they were in power when Jesus came. By the time Jesus showed up, they were as corrupt as anybody and even worse. You know why? Because they made political deals to get their offices. They, they, they were wealthy. They bought the priesthood. They, they were wicked, uh, greedy, and everything. They, they mixed money and politics with their priesthood. Why did this happen? Because they were human. They were human beings. They were fallen, broken sinners. Priests are like everyone else. Fallen human sinners. And corruption sometimes is in their heart if that's what they want to do. They get to make the same choice everybody else does. They're human. They are an imperfect mediator between God and men. They're imperfect because they're human. If you put your trust in human pastors, any of us that are pastors here or any online or any anywhere, and you look around and you see certain great pastors or whatever that fall into more, why does that happen? Because they're human. They're, they're sinners like everyone else, and they try to cover it with religion, and it doesn't work. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always been. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, I've got a better high priest for you. I've got a new high priest for you now. You don't have to go to a human to go to God anymore. You're gonna go to the high priest named Jesus. He's gonna be your high priest. We've got a better high priest, why? Because he's not human. We don't have to worry about him being corrupted. And that's why Jesus is better. He's better than the priesthood of broken, fallen human beings who they might have even tried hard. Like I tried hard to obey my mama, but it didn't work. It fell apart. It always does. But this, this priesthood, it's not based on heredity. It's not based on father, son, son, son. It's not based on heredity. 
It's not based even on what tribe you're from. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. But he was God's chosen mediator, God's chosen priest. The writer of Hebrews says, actually, Jesus has always been the priest. He's always been the perfect priest. Always. See, there's a, he, he goes on, if you want to read in Hebrews chapter 5, 6, and 7, he, he goes through the Old Testament proving that Jesus has always been the real high priest. He tells a story. This is a great story, a fun story. This is a story in the Hebrews and in the Old Testament about Abraham. Abraham had just won a big battle where the Lord had delivered him. And he had won and he had taken loot from the people he defeated. And um, he went up on this mountain and all of a sudden there was a man up there. It was a priest. Uh, he was a priest and he was also called a king. He was called the king of Salem, priest of the most high God. In fact, I'll, I'll read it to you uh, out of Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of the God the Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. How weird. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. Now, what happened after that? According to the story, Abraham knelt down to him and worshiped him and gave him 10%, gave him a tithe of all the loot he had just gotten from his enemies. After he blessed him, he gave him. It says, it, it, the, the scripture is plain. There was something different about this guy. His name was Melchizedek. Nice, or in the South we called it Melchizedek. But anyway, yeah. Melchizedek. Melchi is the, the Hebrew word that means royalty. It means a king or a prince. Zedek is where Zadok came from. Zedek means righteous. So he's a righteous king. He's a righteous king, and he was called the righteous king of Salem. Salem means peace. Abraham went on the mountain and met the prince of peace. Does that ring a bell to you? Maybe Isaiah, when he said his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who's he talking about? Jesus! He went up there. He knelt down in worship. You don't, you don't go up there and worship men. He knelt down in worship and paid tithes. Who do you pay tithes to? God. No, he paid tithes. He paid tithes to Jesus Christ. Who was, the, who was the great high priest of the most high God and the prince of peace, the king of He was the first high priest and the only real true high priest. I think that's incredible. The, the, the writer of Hebrews goes even further. Look at this in chapter um, seven, talking about uh, Melchizedek. He said, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. <laughs> he said he didn't, the, the guy in the Old Testament, he didn't have a father or mother. He didn't have a beginning or an end. That can't be a human. That's God. That's God himself. He even puts an exclamation point when he, when he quotes a prophecy from Psalm 
110. It goes like this. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He was the, who was he talking about? The Messiah. There's only one real high priest. There's only one real mediator between God and men. Paul even wrote about it in 1 Timothy. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. It's as plain as day. Jesus is better. He's better than any earthly priest. He's better than any mediator. He's, he's better than the most righteous human that could possibly be because he is totally righteous, always righteous. The word righteous means just. He always does the right things. He always knows the right thing to do. He's always there. That, that's amazing to me. God himself became the high priest. Uh, when when uh, our kids were little, every Christmas, we always uh, did a nativity play. And depending on which, uh, I had two daughters, and so our daughters were, well, sometimes one was Mary, and when the baby was born, Jesus was the little new baby, and, and then when they got older, you know, one became an angel, and one became Mary, and, and then, and Peggy and I played the part of, like, the donkey and the, and the wise men. We were the wise parents, and, and the shepherds, and the sheep, and the, we, did, we did all the stuff. It was really neat though, because that's sort of like that's sort of like God. God says, I need, I need a high priest. And they're going, We don't know. God says, Oh, I'll play the part. <laughs> I need a king. Well, we don't know. Oh, I'll play that part too. God plays all the parts. And God came to us in Jesus Christ. He said, I'm gonna send you a savior. Who's it gonna be? Well, it'll be me. I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna send you someone who will dwell with you and live inside of you, called the Holy Spirit. Who is that? Oh, that's me. I'm gonna send, send you a high priest who will hear your prayers. Who is that? Oh, that's me. God plays all the parts. Amen. He plays all the parts. God himself loves us so much, he said, I'll play all the parts. Because he's the only one worthy of doing so. No human can take that place. So why is it better for me that Jesus is my high priest? Well, let's talk about that a minute. Well, Jesus is eternal. He's not going away. He's not gonna corrupt himself. He's not gonna fail. He's eternal. He's gonna be there forever and ever. You are a priest, he said, forever and ever after the order of Melchizedek. He will always be the priest that we can go to. He's eternal. He's not gonna quit. He's not gonna have to pass the job down to someone who may not be up to the task. He's always up to the task. Why is it better for me? Because I can always be confident that I can go to him. I can always go to him. He's gonna be there for me. Why is he better for me? Because he understands. Because he understands. In Hebrews 4, this is, what we, this is what we see. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus, he's been through it all. He lived, he lived in our shoes. 
He did. He walked like us. So he understands. He understands totally. How about this one? He's also the perfect mediator. The perfect mediator. I love this. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, we read this. For the sake of Christ, look at this. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. All that was going on in the Roman Empire when this was written. Look at that. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. That's our world. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He goes, you can look at your world and say, everything's falling apart. But you can look at Jesus and say, but I'm not. I don't know, that, that means it's better for me. Because I'm, I'm connected to him. I don't, I don't connect myself to this world. Let me tell you what, don't connect yourself with politics. Politics, we have to live in a world of politics, but don't think one political person or party or anything is gonna be your answer. It is not. It is not. It's not money either. It's not education. It's not anything that could try to, in our world says it's the most important thing. It's not our human relationship. I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus and him alone. That makes me feel better. I'm connected to him. So what did I go through all that for? Why do we go through all that? Because I wanna leave you two things today. I wanna leave you two things to take home with you. Here's the first one. You can have confidence that Jesus will always be there for you. Sometimes when we're frustrated, we go, God, where are you? That does not make God mad, but we're stating something that's not true. <laughs> we're making a statement that is sort of a ridiculous statement to make. He doesn't get mad when we do, because he understands. But he wants to bring us to where we go, God, I trust in you, I know you're there. God, where are you? And you say that a few times, you go, you're right there, I know you are. <laughs> I connect with you. You can have confidence that God hears you. Even when it seems that he's silent, he's listening. I really believe this. Sometimes in the silence of God, he's doing more than when he's speaking loudly to you. He's preparing and working things out that we don't know. We have to learn in our heart to trust that even when I don't see him, he is at work. He's not gonna go away. He won't turn away from you. He doesn't sleep. The Bible says he doesn't sleep. He's your constant companion. He's actually closer to you than you think. He will never leave you or forsake you. Here's the second thing I want you to take home. Your faith in God can grow deeper even when life is painful. When life gets painful, a lot of people throw their faith away. That's when you need it the most. So when your life gets painful, just go deeper with the faith that you have. Go deeper and God will use that to make, give you a strong anchor 
in the truth of what God said. Jesus totally understands that we go through hard times. I mean, Jesus went through stuff. He went through pain, suffering, and grief. Listen to this. In Jesus' lifetime, the perfect high priest, he was tempted by Satan, betrayed by Judas, one of his own disciples, rejected by those he loved and cared for, abandoned by his friends, wounded by religious leaders, falsely accused, unjustly tried in court, abused by the Romans, executed based on lies, and yet he rose from the dead as the ultimate victor and overcame it all. Overcame it all. So if I hook myself to him, then whatever I go through, that whole list that I just read, if you go through all of that, he's still there with you. And if he won, you win. We've got to put that in our heart. We've got to put that in our heart instead of us, every time something collapses, right? Oh no, what am I going to do? Throw everything out the window, throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's nothing we can experience in life. Listen to this. Nothing we can experience in life that can rob us of our faith unless we let it. If you're willing to cling to your faith with all your heart, even when it's dark, he will be there to help us through anything. Do you feel like you have no mediator? Do you feel like sometimes you have no helper? Do you feel like sometimes you have no answer? Well, I hate to be simple, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus. That's too simple. Oh, that is so true. It doesn't get any truer than that. Just a minute ago during worship, I I was just... I was thrilled that it sort of ended with Charmaine just going, Jesus, just singing about Jesus, Jesus. I said, God, you're setting this thing up right now because I'm going to end with Jesus is the answer. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is it. He is it. If you're online today, somebody's waiting right now to pray with you online. If you'll just connect with them. Somebody's praying right now, right now for you. If you're in this room today, right now you're thinking about times that you thought about throwing your faith away or you're on the edge of it right now or you're, you've got too many questions to say, God, until you answer these questions, listen, the questions will go on and on and there will never be an end to the questions, but there will always be a God that is ready to make a relationship with you. Always, always. So my mother said, Mark, I don't know what we're going to do with you. Well, they never did anything bad to me. I guess they turned me over to Jesus. I guess they just turned me over to Jesus. Because he saved me and called me, and I'm getting to give you the same message that I got when I was young. I guess they just turned me over to him.